guess who started nursing school today? Day one done, and I am exhausted. And you're probably listening to this and laughing because what I feel now is probably minuscule compared to what I'll feel later. <laughs> but still, getting used to it, loving it so far. Excited. So, I'm just going to go through what I learned today in my class. Pretty basic stuff, nothing too crazy. But I just want to get in the habit of doing this every day. So, we're going to start off with infection. So, infection is a disease state that results from the presence of pathogens in or on the body. So, a little pop quiz. Which of the following is most significant and commonly found infection-causing agent in healthcare institutions? One more time. Which of the following is the most significant and commonly found infection-causing agent in healthcare institutions? We have A, bacteria, B, fungi, C, viruses, and D, mold. Answer is A bacteria. It's the most significant infection causing agent in the healthcare system. Can be categorized by shape, reaction to gram stain, and according to their need for oxygen. Fungi, molds, and yeast um, can cause infection and are present in the air, soil, and water. Viruses cause infection, including the common cold, and do not respond to antibiotics. Nosocomial infection, it's an infection acquired as a result of healthcare. So cost to the health it's a cost to the healthcare system, it's the leading cause of death, and preventable with the use of aseptic principles or techniques. So that's where we come in. So the spread of infection, um, the portal of entry can be the eye, nares, mouth, vagina, cuts, scrapes. Wounds, surgical sites, IV or drainage tube sites, a bite from a vector, and um, people that are susceptible hosts are is a person with inadequate defense, and there are four determining determining factors. So virulence, an example that we talked about with COVID. It's changing. There are lots of uh, mutants. So like the Delta variant, Mu, like all these sort of things that make it very virulent. Um, The organism's ability to survive in the host's environment. So the number of organisms and the host's defenses. Those four things are determining factors of the spread of an infection. So an example of a susceptible host or of an organism's ability to survive in the host environment, what are some examples of that? Just go ahead and think of an example of a susceptible host and of an organism's ability to survive in the host's environment. The susceptible host could be someone Um, going through chemotherapy and um, their immune system is shot because all their white blood cells are being destroyed. (laughs) 
um, an organism's ability to survive in the host's environment. Off the top of my head right now, I uh, cannot tell you a specific example, so just think of one on your own. Um, classifications of infections. So, by location. There's local, which occurs in a limited region of the body. So, a urinary tract infection. Or systemic. Which is spread via blood or lymph. And affects many regions. So, we can get... It can be systemic. Classification of infections by duration. There's acute, chronic, and latent. Acute is rapid onset of short duration, so the common cold. Chronic is a slow development and long-lasting. So, for example, osteomyelitis. Latent is an infection present with no discernible symptoms. So, for example, HIV, AIDS, also shingles if you had the chicken pox. Healthcare related infection. An infection acquired as a result of healthcare, it's a huge cost. Um, right now it's $4.5 billion per year. It's a leading cause of death and it's preventable with aseptic principles and techniques. So, exo- exogenous healthcare related infection. It's a pathogen acquired from healthcare environment. Endogenous healthcare-related infection is normal flora multiply and cause infection as a result of treatment. So cardinal signs of acute bacterial infection are things like redness, heat, swelling, pain, loss of function. So if you get a little cut or something, it swells kind of gets a little warm and maybe you're not able to like move your fingers as much or something if it's on your finger things like that so laboratory data indicating infection elevated white blood cell count so the normal is 5,000 to 10,000 um oh I don't know what that means mm3 mm cubed (laughs) I should know what that means but I don't So they're found in a complete blood count, elevated erythrocyte sedimentation rate, or in other words, ESR, a generic finding not specific. I don't really understand that. I'm sorry. (laughs) Presence of pathogen in urine, blood, sputum, or drainage cultures. So you look under a microscope for those things. Medical asepsis. It's a state of cleanliness that decreases the potential for the spread of infections. Promoted through maintaining a clean environment, maintaining clean hands, following guidelines from the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, the CDC, creating a protective environment in some situations, so isolation, and controlling contaminated supplies. Um, So this is a little exercise, Socratic reasoning. Your patient is prescribed penicillin for a wound on her skin. You instruct her to take the entire container of antibiotics as prescribed. 
the, the patient takes the antibiotic doses for the first couple days, but then stops taking it as she begins to feel better. So what do you expect could happen because of her failure to comply with your instructions? So some things that could happen, she will get sick again, um, the wound will come back, and also um, the infection, the bacteria could become resistant to penicillin. That's happened before and it can continue to happen. Wash your hands. <laughs> Wash your hands. When you arrive in the unit, when you leave the unit, before and after restroom use, before and after client contact, before and after prepping slash administering medication, before and after contact with the client belongings, just wash them all the time. I love washing my hands. <laughs> okay, implementing CDC guidelines. So a standard precaution um, is... Wait, standard precautions are used for all patient care. They are based on a risk assessment and make use of common sense practice and PPE use that protect healthcare providers from infection and prevent the spread of infection from patient to patient. This decreases transmission of pathogens. Use PPE whenever there is an expectation of possible exposure to infectious material. Just do it. Better safe than sorry. <laughs> safe injection practices. So transmission-based precautions. Um, use contact precautions for clients with known or suspected infections that represent an increased risk for contact transmission. So pathogens that are spread by direct contact. The source of infection could be like through draining wounds, secretions, supplies. Precautions include possible private room, clean gown and glove use, disposal of contaminated items in the room, and double bag linen and market. People can um, can indicate on their on the door of their room um, what they prefer you to wear. If they prefer you to wear a glove, a mask, gown. Anything like that, they can um, have the preference. Um, that is the first half of this chapter four asepsis PowerPoint. So I will pause there and resume in the next one. Good luck. <laughs>